who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And we're talking about something good today. We are talking about something that was heavy on my mind yes. to talk about. Uh, and that is the Child Free by Choice movement. Um, I call it a movement. There was a book that came out a couple of years ago, and I think that's what it was called. It's the yeah. Child Free by Choice movement. And I call it that because it is something that we are seeing become more organized, for yeah. lack of a better word. And I, by that, I just mean that people are talking far more openly about... It's becoming a more it. societally normal thing to discuss, thing to choose. And I also think that you can classify a movement as anything that moves the culture in another direction yes. as yeah. well. Like it doesn't even have to be like we're well organized. It's just that as a whole, we are changing cultures, the culture's perception of what it looks like to be not childless, but child free. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, and you can continue to say childless. We understand what you mean by that. Um, but I remember hearing the reasoning behind choosing the wording child free rather than childless. And it really stuck with me because you're not lesser because you don't have children. Right. If that's your decision, if, if you know? you're choosing, and even if it's not your decision, you know, it doesn't make, I think something not about childless has yeah. always invoked these feelings of like, you know, it, it seems negative. It just yeah. seems really negative. Well, and there are so many negative connotations surrounding it too. Like I know, you know, when we first talked about wanting to cover this, I was telling you how I kind of live in this weird world where I'm like one of the only people I know in my life that's like, oh my God, I want to be pregnant so bad and I want a kid and I'm like the crazy one. Because mm -hmm. uh, most of my friends are like, I'm good. I have other plans with my life. 
And it's it's funny because like you're 30. You're the opposite, yeah. And you're 30 and you say that and I'm like, what are you? Like, a, like is this a teen pregnancy? Like, I know. I'm like, you're so young. Madigan. I know. <laughs> and you're two years older than me, but whatever. Yeah, um. <laughs> for myself too, like I'm like, what are we doing? Because my friends are the opposite. We're not grown yet. <laughs> yeah, they're like consciously choosing to have children. Right. And I'm still like, wait, is this where we're at in our lives? And it's like, pretty unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, nuts. Okay. But there's this idea that someone who chooses not to have children is like inherently unhappy and dissatisfied or, or uh, will the biggest be. one will regret it someday. Yes. Oh, you'll regret it someday. Both men and women love to tell people yeah. with uteruses that they are going to regret it someday Who's that they don't have children you when you're old. Yeah. Oh, I hate. I hate that one because to me it's reducing. Am I not beloved? And it's also just reducing your children as like caretakers. It, it feels like you're choosing to have kids because you don't want to be lonely or because you want someone to take care of you. Right. But I also think to those children. I also think you're not giving credit because, you know, we forget about our elderly. Once they're old, yes. we like to just kind of push them into the recesses of our minds and not give them the proper care and attention mm-hmm. that they deserve. I think that that also plays into it a lot because it's like, no, older people people should still have even if you don't have children you should still have loved ones around you that care about you like that's what it means to be a family and you don't need to have biological children to have that sense of family in your life right. you know I mean and we've created this society especially for women because women for so long have been expected to completely give up their personal lives in pursuit of marriage and family yeah. right yeah so you give up your your entire personality your entire life and you're supposed to especially in a lot of like patriarchal religions in the way that like I was brought up as well where you are expected to give all of that up for your husband and your children and so then what happens is you do let like your female friendships fall by the wayside right you do let like all these other relationships in your life fall away. And then, yes, of course, if you do that... And You're you isolating don't, yourself. Yeah, yeah, you don't nurture those friendships. Then when your kids are grown, you have no one else to, yeah. rely, you know, to rely on for things. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that that's very true. I think that for so much of history women's lives have been so isolated and it has been really shoved down our throats that that is all we should want and desire is a partner and children, you know? And I think that that is what women have resigned themselves to for so long and working with kids and with so many different families for so long, I've really seen the spectrum of parents and I've really only had one family where there was a woman, I'm going to call her Jane. That's not her name. Mm -hmm. But I was talking to Jane. This was back when I smoked actual cigarettes and didn't vape. She would literally like throw the kid in the pack and play and like need time to talk to me. And I was like her therapist. Mm -hmm. And we would like chain smoke. And she would talk about how her mother would always was always getting on her about having a baby. You have to have a baby. You have to have a baby. And she just turned to me and she was like, and I just want the old Jane back. Yeah. And I was just like, broke my heart because like well one I'm chain smoking cigarettes on the porch with this mom while the two-year-old is in a pack and play Mm -hmm. watching tv and I'm like this doesn't feel right I was like 19 at the time and I'm like what do I do um but like it was so devastating for me to think about her and her mom being able to acknowledge not just to herself but to me that she's really unhappy in motherhood and I, I think it's am important not, that we have those conversations. I think it's so important. It is. But this is what's just sad. You know, I'm not I don't keep in contact with this family. I'm usually in very close contact with all the past families I'm with. But this one was a little bit chaotic. And 
I'm friends with them on Facebook. And just from the peripheral, seeing how this child is growing up is just really, really devastating to me. And I just hope that she's getting the proper amount of love and attention and respect that she deserves because she is so sweet. And it's like you, that's not fair to the child either for a mother to feel such pressure to live up to the expectations of reproducing that when they're living in motherhood and she didn't work, she didn't, you know, she was home with the, you know, her kid all the time, but had all these nannies and stuff like that. And she was miserable. She just drank all the time. Yeah. I mean, I do want to say that they're, are a lot of people online and I really appreciate them who come forward and say like, I had kids because I thought that this was what was expected of me to do. And I love my kids. But if I could go back in time and choose a different path, I would choose a different path. Right. Right. And so that I don't think that that makes I respect it, but it still makes me so sad because it doesn't make I want to make this very clear because I don't think that that makes you a bad parent. No, not at all. With within itself. Right. Like there are other factors. I don't know. My story. Like she's a bad mom. Right. For sure. I don't know about that person, but I think in general, There are lots of people who are good, loving mothers who love their children and appreciate their children and enjoy their children. They can also be very honest in acknowledging that this was so much harder than I thought it was. This wasn't at all what it was made out to be to me. And if I could go back and make a different choice, I would. I think it's important to have that conversation because then you won't end up with people like the, the mom that you're talking about. Because for me... And I think that this is the case for a lot of people and especially a lot of people our age yeah. um, and older. It was a checklist yeah. of, of, of life events. It's like you grow up, you graduate high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you get married, you have kids and you just check, check, check. You don't stop and question why we're doing why all the things. Or if yeah. it's really what you want and everybody everybody in society and in life says like, even if you don't like kids, you'll love your own. Right. Like, even if you don't think this is for you, you know, you don't know. And they push this narrative that like everybody, that maternal instinct's going to kick in and everything's going to be fine. And it's yeah. like, it doesn't always. And it doesn't okay. always. And I feel like, like TV and movies have really perpetuated that yeah. as well. Like I was just thinking about how I met your mother when you were talking about that spoiler for the finale episode. If you've never watched it, I'll give you a couple seconds. Barney has a baby and he like picks up this, you know, baby daughter of his and suddenly he's no longer a playboy or Rachel from Friends never wanted kids. Kids scared her, freaked her out. She mm-hmm. didn't want to hold Ben. She gets pregnant. All of that changes. She's the best mom ever. You know, I think that that happens a lot as like a character development ploy yes, yeah, yeah. in media. So we are seeing people, seeing people change their minds about this opinion of theirs, which I think makes real you know people question themselves Mm -hmm. too and I've certainly seen it happen with people sure I I know people who never intended on being parents become parents and then totally fall into that and and love it I mean think about teen pregnancies unexpected pregnancies things like that I've seen it happen but the whole point is that like we need representation on both sides because if that's all you're seeing then it's easy to convince yourself that like okay, this isn't really what I want. I yeah. don't really feel like I'd be a good parent, but every I don't really like kids, but everyone is telling me that it'll kick in for me and, and I'll feel differently later. Yeah, and those stories like, just make me, don't, they just always. make me sad because then I know that they've been unhappy. I hope that the kids have been, like I'm not judging, like I have absolutely no judgment and I think it's important that you say it, but I do think about like, I don't want, 
them to be unhappy either mm-hmm. with their choices. That makes right. me sad because you you're locked in. Sorry, right. they're your kids. There's right. nothing you can do about it. You know, it's why it's important to have the conversations that we are getting ready to have, like on the front exactly. end, and make it very like I am so grateful that I have had the time to really think about it because yeah. I would have just done it because it was what the, it was what. I always thought I would do. Well, like and people I, you know. were expected to have kids younger, mm-hmm. you know, in years past. I mean, I feel like, you know, even where we're both from, people oh, still yeah. start having kids really, really young. Most of the people I went to high school with have multiple. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who have kids going into middle school. Like, yeah, it's same. weird, you know? It so weird. it's one of those things where it's different for everybody. But I think in general in society, we are having kids later. We're having less kids, you know, there are, and we're going to talk about all the reasons for that. But I think that it, you know, has changed rather quickly in the grand scheme of things. Definitely. That that's happening. So we are, I think, kind of like adjusting to that a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And I do think it's Overall, I think it's a it's a good thing. Like nobody is yeah. stopping you. If you want to have kids, please by all means, like have as many as you want. If you can afford them, if you're gonna love them, mm-hmm. so let's do it. let's talk a little bit about um, all of the statistics surrounding everything. So yeah. birth rates and fertility rates have been steadily declining for the past eight years. Today, people of childbearing age, um, many of whom are now millennials like us, yeah. are delaying having children or not having them at all. Since 1950, the worldwide fertility rate dropped from an average of 4.7 children to 2.4 children. Fertility rates in the U.S. peaked in 2007 before declining rapidly during the Great Recession in 2008. Yeah. And then there's also what's interesting with the pandemic is that there was this prediction of this huge baby bump. And it's interesting because I knew a lot of people that had babies during the pandemic. Yeah, so so in my <laughs> life, I'm like, there was a baby bump. What are you talking about? But in the grand scheme of things, they had what they're calling a baby bust yes. from the pandemic. Because since 2007, for the most part, the U.S. birth rate has been steadily dropping by about 2% each year. Mm-hmm. And since the pandemic between, you know, I'm assuming 2019, 2020, pre post Mm-hmm. or during pandemic, yep, yep. It, the birth rate fell 4%. Yes. So that doubled just with one like, you know, major, you know, life event or whatever. But it has been steadily declining. And I think it really makes sense because, you know, my mom and I have this joke where we're always like, remember we were rich, you know, because like when I was younger, my dad was working and my mom was working and all that stuff. Well, my, that 90s economy was... Was great. Was great. I mean, like... And we my, lived in the Midwest too. My so. family was like... My my dad didn't have a great job, but my mom had a really good job. Right. And we were still like upper middle class. That's how it we was were just the way that like the exactly. economy was better. So you could live on like a single one one parent making a good amount of money could was have, enough to could afford all keep this the family stuff. afloat in a real way. Yeah. Exactly. And my dad retired either in 2007 or 2008. And it mm-hmm. fucked us up. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. I was 13 at the time when he retired, when all of this happened. So it really did a number on my family's finances and things like that. And I think that that makes a lot of sense as to we all had to kind of readjust our plans when it came to our families because it became so much more expensive to raise a child, not yeah. just because everything else, you know, like the housing market was going down, but there's inflation. Everything starts to become more expensive. Yeah. I think also it's a big joke that like millennials have lived one giant world changing event after another. After I mean, another, we have, which is true. But I think because of that, 
we have experienced times of economic uncertainty very young. Um, and it's not the same as like the Great Depression levels of like, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. You're eating nothing but bread, right? It's not quite that same thing, but the same way that people who live through the Great Depression have a certain kind of like PTSD about like saving and stuff like that. I think millennials are always waiting for the other shoe to drop because it has every couple yeah. of years. And I think that that makes the prospect of having a child very scary because it's like at any time, yeah, <laughs> something major could happen and like totally like fuck up our lives, fuck up our finances, make it really hard. And everything is going to, and then what are we going to do? And people get in really desperate situations and the cost of having children is continuing to raise every year. So I read some articles or a bunch of articles from like 2017, 2018, because there was a bunch of surveys done that year. And there weren't as many articles that happened within the past like two years or so. And so I was looking at these different articles doing my research, writing down all these different numbers and percentages. Mm -hmm. And one from 2018 said that it costs almost 2400 or um, 240000 uh -huh, to raise uh -huh. a kid. Yeah. But since I believe it was either 2020 or 2021, that number has raised to 300000 No, it's absolutely wild. And most of those costs are within the first however many years like yeah and this is not including college tuition this is not including I mean my family you know I went to a school we went to a school where there were no dorms there was no housing they were paying for me to go to a, mm -hmm. live in an apartment yes. they were paying for food they yeah. were paying for all of these things and they were I was lucky enough to have parents that could do that for me but the second I graduated they were like hasta lista baby but um that's not bringing in all of that other money into account that's just like the first like 17 years of life right I mean and then depending on where you live of course cost of living is very different in different parts of the country it's very high here where we live yeah um, also if you want to give your kids a private school education if you want to do any of that stuff so if your child keep, has health issues mm -hmm, keep up in that number keep up in that number I mean yeah. I have a cat that has chronic health issues I know and it's just and a lot <laughs> I think about the amount that I take her to the vet and the amount of money we have spent and that is nothing in fact the way that I justify not justify because I would do it no matter what she's my of baby course, yeah but the way that I think about it in my head is like if you had a kid, you'd be spending so much more money. So yeah. So just give them your credit card and let them like let, let it go. I don't know. My emergency medication. Vet, that bill from D a couple months ago was whoo something else. But it's it's funny because I was reading another study about the levels of happiness and not having kids compared to having mm -hmm. kids, and they're like women's net worth and happiness is higher when they don't have kids. And yes. I'm like, well, no shit. Their of net course. worth is higher, first of all. And yes. second of all, when I'm not worried about the number in my bank account, I'm a lot happier. Of course. I'm a lot happier. Yeah, I mean, and also, there, I don't know. I don't like necessarily equating happiness in that way because... I don't either, but... Children <laughs> are exhausting, right? And like, I know my friends with kids... It's not that they're not happy, they're tired, you know, and they have moments of great joy. But there is something to be said about being like carefree and being able to be spontaneous and being able to spend money on yourself, which yeah. is, of course, going to be this like serotonin boost, right? Like, exactly. Those things are going to make you immediately feel very happy and not going to lie, a big reason why at this moment, if I had to pick child free or not it would be child free for me, you know, because I'm just, I enjoy the idea of, I don't want to sacrifice that spontaneity. Yeah. I don't want to sacrifice my ability to just get up and be like, 
I think I want to go to London and visit my brother next year, which is something that I'm considering doing. Right. It would make it much harder with a child. I mean, I've been trying to schedule a brunch with one of my friends for like a month, you know, yeah. and it's like, it, it's very difficult when you have a toddler running around. Well, you it's know? Like, your life truly does change so much because your life for most mothers, and I think for the most part, or most parents, I should say, and for the most part, because I think that there is varying degrees of this, depending on like how much help and family mm-hmm. and other support you have around you. But your life does kind of change into revolving around what the kid needs. Of course. I mean, I was... As it should. I mean, yeah, like, you brought I took, a child into the world that needs to be looked after and all of its needs are yeah. on you. You know, I mean, I spent four days and four nights with Wilder a couple weeks ago. Brave, if you guys listened truly. to the, the Lauren motherhood episode. I loved every second of it, truly. Like I, it, it suits me. We have a very weird special bond where like we just get each other and it's lovely and it's fine but it you know I I couldn't even take a shower whenever I wanted to you know there were certain things that I had to plan out because I had to make sure that I was putting him first for those four days I don't even want the responsibility of a dog that's why I have (laughs) and I have two of them (laughs) right exactly like that's why I have cats because like I don't even want the responsibility of like, oh, I need to go home every couple of hours to walk a dog. I mean, right? luckily, like, my dogs are pretty good with that. But you talking about I want to go to London next year. I'm like, well, fuck, who would watch the exactly. dogs? That's my first thought. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, you still have to have people come check on the cats, but it's not the same, you no. know. And OK, so speaking of child care, let's talk about that. National child care costs average between $9,000 and $9,600 annually. And again, I don't know what part of the country they're talking about because I know what the child care costs are for my friends. Yeah. And it's like they're spending like a thousand dollars a month. Oh, yeah. And you're talking about like a, at least and you're talking about a thousand dollars a month for 12 months. So you're talking twelve thousand dollars a year. That's on, like college tuition for daycare for daycare. For yeah. Like, but the other option is one of you. I mean, you hire someone like me and especially in LA the cost of nannies I mean it's the reason I do it you know what I mean yes. like we get paid pretty well for what yeah. we do because I mean, we can't ask my, for it but. my friend took her baby I don't know if she, yeah takes her baby to a daycare like place and that's what they you know spend on it they chose a they wanted a very specific daycare I think it is a little bit more expensive than other places and she told me like it is almost as much as what she makes, but she can't quit her job because if you then quit she wouldn't job, have that income and you know, but it would even out because yeah. it's like basically all of her money, her, her paycheck is going towards childcare essentially. Yeah. But what happens then and happens to a lot of mothers is they make that rationale, right? Like I might as well just quit my job and stay home with my kids. So I get to be with my kid and we're not putting that that money's gone anyway so I might as well just stay home but then what they're doing is they're sacrificing advancements at their job because you can't just go back to your job and slip right back in it's going to be so much harder and and I would have to say that you're also kind of in my opinion you're also stifling the growth of your child in a lot of ways Um, I think that everybody can make their own decisions for what they want to do with their kids obviously this is just my opinion but especially being an only child I'm really glad that my mom put me in daycare as early as she did I was like a year old maybe before when I started going to daycare and I love that families trust me to stay with their kids for all hours of the day into the night and all of that but 
I think that it is so important for kids to be with other kids and to let them learn from each other and not just be around adults all the time. I mean, because it is very important for socialization. I think it really depends on, I mean, I'm And that's what as, I'm saying. It depends on the person, but it just, with my experience, yeah. I find that it, it can help create more confident children. I'm speaking as someone who had siblings and cousins and stuff. So I was around kids all the time, right, regardless. Yeah. Um, so I think my experience might be a little bit different because I, I was not in daycare from an early age. I didn't go to daycare until I was like, I don't know, four. Yeah. Um, so my experience was maybe slightly different, but I did have kids around. Exactly. But I also don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with a parent uh, uh, being a stay at home parent and just, you know, being at home. Definitely with your kids. not. Like, I mean, my mom was a stay at home mom, but I would go for like a little bit because she did work at home and things yeah, like that. But, but I, in general, I just think it's good for both mom and child to be able to have that distance, to be able to like have some time apart and things like that, because it is important to your autonomy. But now we're talking about having kids instead of not having kids. So I'll get back on topic. No, but but I also think that that's an important thing to think about. All of these things are things that as a parent, you are going to have to take into account. It is always going to be an either or situation. Right. And these are reasons why people choose not to have children. And right? if you like, don't and if that doesn't sound appealing to you, that's OK. But I think that there's so many people that think of it as being very selfish for not wanting to give up their time or their careers or I their whatever. And I completely say, disagree. I hate. So I do. I don't think I've said yet. I think I've alluded to it, but I haven't said yet that like I at this moment want to be child free. I don't have any desire to have kids right now for a variety of reasons for basically all of the reasons. Uh, you know, I feel like the world is such an uncertain place. I don't want to give up my spontaneity. I'm scared of what pregnancy and birth will do to my body. Right. You know, there's all of these things um, that factor into it. It's it's everything. But the argument that I hate the most is that selfish. It's not. I fucking hate it so much because to me, there is nothing more selfish mm -hmm. than having a child without having thought through all of these things. Taking like the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. To do it is the most selfish thing that I can think of. Because and you're not thinking of another human life. Yes. When you're just, when right. you're not making that decision for right. yourself. And I would argue and please don't flame me. Don't come for me. But I would argue that the vast majority of people, not everyone, I know lots of people who have had these conversations with themselves and very carefully think of all the, about all the reasons and are amazing parents and all of that stuff. But I would argue that the vast majority of people who have kids are doing it for selfish reasons. I think a lot right. of people think that a kid will fix something in them or with their relationship or it will be fulfilling for their life and that's the argument that you well, hear and I as mean well. that's just kind of like an argument in general about doing things that make you feel good is that selfish because you're doing it for your own right you know betterment and things so like you that can say it's selfish for me to prioritize exactly. my needs and my time and I could just as easily say well I think it's selfish for you to choose to have a kid because you don't want to be lonely when you get old like, right or you because know, you know it's selfish of you to not think of the consequences in our environment or you know there's a lot of the same reasons that you can choose to be child free you could use as a rebuttal for someone right. who does decide to have kids, which is why it's just nobody's goddamn business. It's just your choice. I yeah. don't judge. I don't judge my friends. They're so happy being parents, and like I don't judge them at all. I just want the same, you know, in return. Yeah. And so speaking of, since you just said climate change, um, a recent Pew Research Center survey revealed that 
of child-free adults who think they won't have kids, 5% cited environmental reasons as a factor in their decision. And a morning consult poll of 4,400 Americans found that one in four child-free adults say climate change influenced their reproductive decisions. Yeah. So, And this is actually really interesting because I read a few different articles about uh, this one kind of particular topic because there were scientists that came out and were talking about um, in Sweden, they were saying that having less children would obviously lessen our carbon footprint mm-hmm. and things like that. So for a lot of people, they're either deciding to have less kids or they're deciding not to have kids for that reason in particular. But I did find it really interesting because there was another scientist by the name of Kimberly Nichols, who was an author of this study, actually. And they said that while this is true, it isn't a relevant time frame for actually stabilizing the climate, given it would take about a decade to cut emissions in half. So while that is true, it's more of like a long term fix rather than something that could like logistically happen right away. Um, just like we always say, scientists believe that it's more important for countries to transition away from fossil mm-hmm. fuels and create a government policy which can help mass transition to clean energy sources. Yeah, for me, um, when I think about climate change being a factor... The doomed planet thing? I think about that more than I think about... I mean, of course, overpopulation, overconsumption, that right. sort of thing is something that I, I do think about. But, but it's more me, so the, the thought of like the actual human experience right. of living in a doomed planet. What kind of future am I passing off to my children? Right. You know, like what kind of future would I be giving them? And that a lot scares of, me. Yeah, and a lot of people on the right are kind of using it as kind of another ploy of a scare tactic against the left because it's like they want to wipe our population clean and blah, 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 and well, all this But we can't stuff. because all y'all keep having like 12 kids. Exactly. So, That's like- never going to... I mean, soon enough, y'all are just going to take over because we're going to keep having less and less. You're going to have more and more. Yes, And exactly. you will rule the world Which like you Which is the wanted. plan. Yeah, like truly <sighs> that is the plan. Okay, let's take a quick break and okay. then we will be right back. Awesome. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. So I love me a good new phobia to learn about. And you were talking about how like one of your reasons is a fear of being pregnant and childbirth and that whole scenario. Right. Yeah. Has always terrified me. I mean, my mom had my two younger brothers at home. And oh, so I, you were scarred. I heard her <gasps> like screaming. I like, didn't know that. Yes, because she had them at home, like down the hall. So like it was like I. It was, You're like my, but my mommy's hurting, and that must be really scary. Yeah, I was in the room when <gasps> they sewed her up for for Maceo, and she did it all without anesthetic. Too. Okay, so see, but I mean, but here's the thing. But she was always the one who was like never would have it any other way she's like it's such a beautiful thing like i our mothers are the opposite yeah and i was so she i was just like she was telling me this and i was like it didn't look or sound wonderful yeah none of this was good this all sounds terrible but she was like no she's she she loved being pregnant and she was like natural labor she loved it and so it's not everybody. It's not a universal experience. I mean, is all I'm as long as I can remember, my mom has been telling me, "Don't be a hero. Take the drugs." I mean, I would so, if I was gonna have a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely would. My mom, she had one, and she said that I was the easiest birth ever. I was an easy pregnancy. So maybe my mom is just not a good person for me to be like, kind of judging all of this off well, of. Different but, people um, are just different. They're too, also like, different, exactly. But there is a specific phobia of all of this and it's called tocophobia which is the significant fear of childbirth so it's a real thing it's a real fear and I don't blame people but I truly think that like you and I had a very different experience then because Mm -hmm. I watched some birds in a class when Mm -hmm. I was like in high school I didn't have to like be a child and listen to my mother in pain screaming and crying well childbirth has always scared me the the concept of it has always scared me even because you've been traumatized but even before that like my mom had when she was pregnant with my brothers she gave us like we watched the VHS tape of like the miracle of life right which is a PBS documentary and it's supposed to frame everything as like very very beautiful like right it's supposed to it's like planet earth for birth and still I was like that looks terrible like I've always kind of felt that way and it was just one of those things that I was like well as a woman I'm sure I'll get through it you know what I mean and but it, it was still very scary to me and I also think having open conversations about the fact that childbirth while yes beautiful and lots of people can have a lot of like wonderful experiences I have friends who were like it was the most incredible experience of my life right like it was magical all of those things it doesn't take away the fact that it is a major stressor on your body and that and not to scare anyone at all a lot can go wrong and I think it is important to have those conversations that it is hard on your body people I'll see TikTok videos made where people get into the comments and they're like, no one told me that my teeth were going to fall out or like, because pregnancy is weird and things can happen. Weird things happen. And it's honestly, you know, we think about death during childbirth as being kind of like an archaic thing that doesn't happen anymore. But there, there are a lot of things that can happen. Again, I don't want to scare people, but I have a dear friend of mine who's 
wife, like they literally got married and days later the wife's sister went into labor and had a brain aneurysm while giving birth and passed away. Yeah. And the child survived and is very healthy, but never got to meet his mother. And, you know, my friend lost his sister-in-law and a sister. And it was really, really tough. And it came out of nowhere. This was a perfectly healthy Mm -hmm. 20-something-year-old woman. And it, it... it happens. And yes, it's that that is a rare it's thing rare, to happen. It's rare, but it's but there but it's are many things that can happen. Legitimately scary, and it's yeah. okay if you feel scared about that. Like you you are putting your body through something that is very scary and yeah. or, or could I mean, be. I'm I'm still sc- even though it's something that I desperately do want to mm-hmm. experience. For me, it's a lot of the I've always been really scared of the mental health challenges Mm -hmm. because I've struggled. I have chronic mental illness and I have the concerns of can I take medication when I'm pregnant? What's what is going to happen when my hormones are off? What's going to happen once I have this child, especially because I've wanted it so much? Mm -hmm. What if I have a child and I don't love it the way I thought? I think that it's normal for everybody to have those trepidations and thoughts Mm -hmm. and fears because I think that you should give those fears the time that are necessary in order to work through them. Even if you do want to go through it all, right? it's worth it to at least acknowledge the fact that you're scared for your sake and everyone else's sake too. Yeah. I mean, and if you're not also fine, I mean, totally, totally. It is is one of those things where, I mean, our friend and my co-host of my worst date, and she's talked about this on that podcast. So I feel comfortable sharing it here. She was a surrogate. She had her son and then she was a surrogate for a couple. I've and always wanted to be a surrogate. I mean, yeah, she I, overall prior to the actual labor, she had a good experience. As yeah. A surrogate. What happened with the labor? I mean, she lost so much blood. Like oh she, gosh. she went, her body went into like complete shock. shock. She had to have a blood transfusion <gasps> like, and she could have died. Like she very well could have died because oh she lost gosh. so much blood. I mean, and like so those things can still happen. And, it is also okay, like, if you don't, if that's your whole reason for not wanting to be pregnant or oh, give yeah. birth, it's all that's valid. plenty. Like, if you're just I mean, like, I, feel I the don't want to put my body through it, that's fine. I feel this way, you know, it's the same thing when we talk about people's choice to be able to have an abortion. Any one of your choices that you give me is valid. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't judge you. You can just tell me I don't feel like it, and that is fine by yes. me. I mean, not my circus, not my monkeys. I don't care. Yes, and that <laughs> is know? that is something that I feel like is important to talk about as well, is that more and more people are just coming forward and saying, I just don't want to have kids. Like, they're not elaborating. They're not saying, I don't want to do it for environmental reasons, or I don't want to do it because I don't want to... Which is hard to do, because you're going to want to, especially with a topic like this, I feel like the instinct would be to justify yourself. Right. You know? Yes, absolutely (laughs) it is. But it's becoming more and more socially acceptable, and that's why it's so important to remove the stigma of not having children, so we don't see it as a taboo, so that you can just come forward and say, like, I don't want to have kids because I just don't, right? And so a new study by the Pew Research Center surveyed over... Over 3,800 Americans ages 18 to 49, and it found that among non-parents in that group, 44% said it's not too likely or not likely at all that they will have kids someday. That's up by 7% points from 37% of child-free adults who said the same in 2018. And of that group, 56%, so more than half, didn't give a reason. They just said, I just don't want them. I just don't want them. Great. And like, I think that that is... To that's, me, that's liberating. Very encouraging because yeah. it's just saying like, I just it's not for me, and that's fine. And 
you know, I know that this is on your list of things to talk about, but it's reframing that narrative of it doesn't mean I'm unsatisfied. It doesn't mean I'm an old spinster. Now I just get to be rich auntie supreme. Yeah. Right? I love, I used to follow, now I've deactivated my Instagram account, but I was, I know I was trying to sorry. send you something the other day and I was like, where the fuck is she? I meant to text you. <laughs> I meant to text you and be like, I haven't blocked you. I just got rid of my well, Instagram What's so funny because I literally have like five people in my life that I send things to and you're one of I'm them. I'm so sorry. So I'm like, wait, text where it. is she? Text oh, I'm to me. send you all these screenshots now. Annoying. Yeah. I have to go back and delete them on sorry. my phone. Ugh. But you know, when I was on there and I will get back on there eventually. I just I needed space. Need but, a break. I feel you. But I followed an account called Rich Auntie Supreme. I to- I talked about her in my notes a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And I love the approach that that account takes because that account is like, I don't hate children. No, I love I children. I love children. I want to be there for other people's children. There was this quote that's always stuck in my mind from Jennifer Aniston because God, Lord they knows. hound that woman about her choice not to have children. That poor woman has just, been pregnant so many times in I the media. Leave her alive. It's like every yeah. time she had a big lunch, people were like, "Oh, she's pregnant." Um, but she gave an interview, and I think it was like a few years ago. So she was probably in her forties, and yeah. she was just saying like. I I don't feel like I'm not a mother. She's like, I know I'm not a mother, but I'm still there for Courtney's kids. She was talking about Courtney Cox's kids. Yeah. And she's like, I'm still a figure in the life of lots of children. And I was talking to a um, male friend of mine a while back, and he was saying that he didn't want kids. And he was like, I don't feel like that means that I can't be an important figure in children's lives. Like I would love to maybe be like a mentor or, you know, I teach guitar. I'd love to teach guitar classes to kids and be an influence on their life in that way. It's not, you don't have to have children of your own to be able to offer something. I think it's a terrible misconception that people that don't want kids hate kids Because that's just not, I mean, some people are just like, I don't get kids. I don't like them. I don't really care to be around them. And even that is totally fine. But I think the greater number of those people just don't want to have their own kids. But they do like to be around other children because children are great. I love being around kids. Yeah. I also like coming home to my my quiet exactly not sticky house but I do love being around kids like I enjoy being around our friend Vanessa's children like I think it's so much fun um you know and I have always said to Anthony like I want to be that like aunt in the movie where like the kid runs away and they wind up on my doorstep you know yes. and I'm like which yes. you totally will be you I know what be I mean that, like, and safe haven person and for- everyone needs that person in their yeah. lives too I mean I am so so thankful to my uncle Ed. I love him so much. I don't have a father figure. My closest uncle slash godfather has completely taken me out of their lives and things like that, which is, has been really devastating to me. And my uncle, my mom's brother has really stepped up and becoming like a father figure to me and never missing a birthday card or a holiday card and asking about my life, sending me little text messages. Even he once asked if he could walk me down the aisle one day, mm-hmm. even though I don't want to be walked down. Like the, the fact that he cares about me that much, that he would want to do that for me meant it means the world to me yeah. and he means the world to me because I've had so many father figures in my life completely not show up or let me down or devastate me. And he's been a person that's always been 
a good solid male authority figure in my life who's always loved me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he doesn't have to be my dad for me to still feel that same level of love and protection from him because he treats me that way. Right. You know? Yeah. And you're when you choose not to have children, you are, if you want to, you are opening yourself up to be available for other people in yeah. your life. Not that you can't if you have kids as well. Of course you can. Um, but it's it's one of those things where we were just in Ohio and uh, one of Anthony's nieces, who is now my niece by marriage, but yeah. she is so cool and so fun and she loves Harry Styles and she loves hanging out with me because I'll talk to her about like Harry Styles. I'm like the cool young aunt that she gets to like hang out with. And totally. I'm like, you should come to LA and we'll go you see a show and we'll go yeah. shopping and we'll do. And so I get to be that person for her where yeah. like other people in her life fill a different role. Exactly. And like that's, that feels good to me. That feels mm-hmm. fun to me. That feels like enough for me. Yeah. And if it's not enough for me, because I have seen, you know, a lot of people in my life and there's nothing wrong with this either. Okay, so I'm going to say both things. A lot of people in my life have known from a very young age, I don't want kids at all. My friend Sienna told me when we met, whenever we were like 11, I don't want kids. I'll never want kids to this day. Still doesn't. Yeah. Has been trying to get her tubes tied for like the last five years. Yeah, and doctors don't want to do that shit. No one will let her do it. Yeah. Uh, But she has known. She's known herself. Never wavered on it. Yeah. I don't think she ever will. Um, on the other hand, I have also known people who felt the way that I do. And then something changes when they are 40, maybe. And then they're like, you know, I would like to try it. And it's not, it's not to say that they feel like their life is unfulfilled if it doesn't work out. Um, they just change their minds. They just change their minds. Yeah. And that's a totally acceptable thing as well. So exactly. I know that for myself, it's something that I have considered, having the procedure to have my eggs frozen. Yeah. Um, Should we talk about it? In case, yeah, let's let's talk about it. There, This is very fascinating to me because I think that this is becoming a big part of the conversation in general because women are wanting to have kids later and later. Yeah. And I mean, my mom was 40 when she was pregnant with me and it was a geriatric pregnancy. And these numbers that I'm about to give Which you... Which is bullshit as well, can oh, I just say? Oh, it's total like, bullshit, but... The science that that is built upon where after 35, you're, it's a geriatric pregnancy is old as fuck science. Don't let people make you feel like you're... No. That's, it's so... But there, you know, there are some there are some changes that happen as you get older, but it isn't, in my opinion, geriatric. I feel like that's a different label that shouldn't be given to it. But uh, egg freezing is called mature oocyte cyropreservation. <laughs> it is a method that was developed in 1980 to save a woman's ability to get pregnant for the future, particularly if they are undergoing any sort of like health concerns and treatment and things like that. That's kind of why it was originally created. Mm-hmm. Eggs are harvested from the ovaries, then the unfertilized egg is frozen and stored for later, kind of like your groceries. A frozen egg can be thawed, then combined with sperm in a lab, then implanted to achieve pregnancy. And there are many reasons why women decide to freeze their eggs. Um, Like I said, a major reason for a very long time was for health reasons. And these days it's also been, you know, as we are becoming more and more open with Um, our gender identity and things Mm -hmm. like that, that is becoming more and more of a conversation about how children are being created and, you know, made and all that kind of stuff. These fertility clinics saw a spike during the pandemic in egg freezing. It jumped from 39% to 50% in one year. And I wrote 
percent of what? I don't know, but it's still a major jump. <laughs> so all of that is super good and great, right? We love this. It's fucking expensive. expensive. Yes, it is. So expensive. Mm-hmm. So self-funded egg freezing costs an average of $10,000 to $20,000 mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. This has led to some companies offering egg freezing as an option to their employees as a perk. It is very popular in tech companies, which I'm like, of course it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, like there should be more reproductive assistance in with, general with health insurance just in general. Um, but yeah, I know somebody who got her eggs. I know a couple people who have gotten their eggs frozen and for them it was worth it. But both of them kind of want kids where I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to use my frozen eggs, but myself, but I do also feel like, you know, maybe I can donate them to a couple in need. I think that if you're able, like if you can financially afford to do it, I'd say why not. You know what I mean? It just it is a big financial undertaking to do this. And if you're doing it with the idea of getting pregnant at a later date, it is pretty risky. The success rate isn't great. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. The success so, rate for any kind of in vitro is not always great. Totally. But I mean, these numbers I think are really important to think about because of the fifteen percent of frozen eggs that have been thawed in the UK in 2016, 13% of those resulted in pregnancy. And that's about 22 pregnancies out of 1,204 thawed eggs. So it's not great. Uh, Women younger than the age of 35 have an 18% chance of pregnancy when five eggs are frozen, and this drops to 7% after the age of 35, they said. So, you know, it's not that big of a dip truly but it does make a little bit of a difference as you get older to the number because we have a limited supply of eggs where women men have infinite almost infinite sperm right well yeah so pretty much you know there is somewhat of a limit but we do have less eggs things like that I think that it is a gross misconception that like the second you turn 35 your eggs are elderly and all and it doesn't work anymore and all this stuff it's also just so specific to the individual like because i I know i know so many people who are in their late 30s early 40s no problem conceiving like at all you know um and then i know people who are in their 20s or in their mid 30s who are having a lot of problems right conceiving and it's just it's so dependent on you and your partner and so age to me is such it's one of those things where I'm just like you could have any number of factors regardless and you won't know until you're trying to have kids yeah exactly Uh, so it's just it's one of those things like I have a friend right now who's trying to get pregnant she's in her she's 37 he's 40 and she is fine. Like they are having problems. They're going through in vitro, but the issue is not her. Like oh, the issue okay. is him. Him, you know right? What I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's it's just one of those things. And I I also feel like these conversations about like I don't know. This just made me think about like these conversations about child free people or childless people being unfulfilled or unhappy or any of those things. It's such a slap in the face to people who can't conceive. Yes. Like, like, because what are you saying to people that who they're maybe, not going to be fulfilled because they actually can't have kids? Right. Because, right. and to me, that is so 
like you'll never know true happiness. That's something that you see people say a lot. Like you won't, you won't know true love. You won't know true happiness yeah. until you're a parent. And I'm like, well, what are you saying to people who cannot And to people get who have pregnant? truly believed that their whole lives. Right. And then when they can't have kids, it's how they beat themselves up. Painful. And there are a lot of women that are like, I can't do, they feel like they, that they can't do the one thing they're meant to do, right. which also breaks my heart. Well, stop I telling mean, women that this is the thing that like they are created to do. Exactly. Like, that is so, and that's like, what all of this boils down to from the fact that throughout most of history women did not have the autonomy to be able to choose whether or not they got married had children who they married you know none of those decisions were their own because they were either property of their father than property of their husband so on and so forth and there are so many other religious cultural factors that go into these things as well that makes us think of it in a certain way so then when you aren't able to create a child it does really make you feel like you're a failure in some way or if you don't want to it makes you feel like something is wrong with you yep like what is wrong with you if you don't have that like die hard you know maternal instinct my biological clock every time I see a baby my ovaries are exploding like if you don't have that hey. feeling no no I'm just saying no like you're looking right at me what do you say I might have said that earlier today when I saw a baby well I'm not gonna lie to you sometimes I see babies and I'm like oh. but see that's the thing and I, babies are fucking cute they're cute they're supposed to be cute I think baby pandas are cute I don't want a baby panda you know I mean, what I mean I like I kind of want a baby panda <laughs> okay I kind of do but like at the same time it sounds like a lot it sounds like more work than a kid yeah, honestly true. yeah it is but um you know it's I think that what you just said and kind of like the main thing that I kind of took away from it too was just this idea of not being less loving not being less loving of kids not being less loving of the people around you there really is this horrible stigma especially like we said of selfishness around deciding not to have kids and thankfully I think especially because of social media more and more people from different walks of life are able to discuss this more openly and other people are feeling more okay with their decision not to have kids right yeah and remove that stigma like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast like remove that stigma of even if you've had kids and you're you're still reeling and you're still questioning, like remove that stigma of not feeling like you can talk about it because when you don't talk about it, all that happens is that you become really isolated, which can lead to a lot of problems. Offer support to yeah. your to your friends who have kids who are struggling with it. Um, and talk to it like a professional about it. I think that all of these things are such deep-rooted societal, like, issues that have been ingrained in us mm-hmm. that I think that talking to a mental health professional would be a great idea if it's something that you're really struggling with and grappling with, especially mm-hmm. when I think a lot of family members can be really tough on you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, learning, oh, God. right, you know, it's like learning how to have the tools to be able to stand up for yourself and deal with it. You know, if, if you're able to have that sort of support and help. I think that that's always a good idea. It's okay to change your mind as well, because I do feel like the internet puts us in these camps as much as I appreciate the child free movement and like being able to speak openly about these things. I feel like the internet really does have this tribalistic thing that happens where it makes you, yeah. And it makes you like plant your flag where you're like, I am a child, child free person. And you have to brand yourself that way. And so then if you ever decide to change your mind, people are like, traitor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like you reserve the right to 
decide how you want your future to look. The whole point of it is that you get to choose, like you get to decide because I've always said, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind in the future. But at this moment in my life, I would rather live with the regret of not having a child than the regret of of having having one. one and not feeling like I could give it everything I wanted to give it and provide the kind of life that I know I am capable of providing um, or that you would want to provide. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I would want to provide because I'm capable in my heart of it. Exactly. But, but there's yeah. so many other factors. I mean, and for millennials and for Gen Z, unfortunately, we got handed a crap hand. And it's also okay to just say like, I love kids, would love to be able to have them, but I can't afford it. Yeah. Like that's, that's my biggest it, fear. It's a big, it's a big <sighs> thing and it's valid too. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, Life, life just happens. Um, I was going to mention this when we were talking about the like cool aunties situation. Yeah. There was a website that I found that I loved. So if anybody is like gung ho about being child free in their lives, check out the americanspinster.com. Great website, great articles. There was some really funny ones. It's like worried about when you die, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just very tongue in cheek kind of stuff. And I read some really funny um kind of like interviews and stuff from people who have chosen to be child free from that website. Yeah, so definitely I, I check would it out. say, and this is something that I'm, I'm learning in my life now, kind of going down this path where like my friends are starting to have kids and I don't think I want them. Right. Is you are probably going to benefit from, um, finding a support system of other people who don't have kids or don't want to have kids. Yeah. Cause you don't want to feel alone in that decision. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people rightfully because your friends with kids are going to need support. Being a parent is very hard. If we haven't made that clear in this episode, um, being a parent is difficult. And so your friends with kids are going to need support. Definitely be there to support them. Um, not having a kid in a world of people who have kids whose lives are very, um, absorbed in the care of their children as they should be right is its own thing we all right I think that like, we all I mean that's the reason that we do this podcast too we all and that you listen we all want to like know that we have other people in the world that agree with us and think like us and feel supported in that and if you're the only one in the group that thinks that that is very lonely and isolating we all need people around us and in our lives that can help us validate those things and that we can relate to people in different ways. Right. That's and why that, it's important to have a, ver- a vast a yeah. variety of friends, yeah. you know, and that you feel like are in the same place. Exactly. In, in your life that you are in, in yours. Like, exactly. You know, so I, I just think that that is something that doesn't really get talked about enough. Like, yeah. like you look, it, it, it's going to get lonely sometimes. And that's why I think it is such a big deal on social media too, yeah. because the people who are deciding to be child-free are banding together in a lot of ways. Yes, which is beautiful. And supporting is. each other. And there Highly is, recommend child-free TikTok. If yeah. you can get on that oh, algorithm, I, <laughs> it is fun over there. That's funny. There was um on the American Spinsters uh, website, there was like how to be a cool auntie. And I loved it because there was only two things. One of them was pay attention. It was like, 
listen to them. What do they like? What are their interests? And the second one was essentially buy gifts according uh-huh. to what you've paid attention oh, yeah. to and you're in. No, and I'm totally. like, love it. Two it, steps. It is one of the things where it's just like, yeah, I'm not spending, you know, $250,000 on So I'll spend $250 right. on Right. So I can, I can afford to take you to Disneyland or like I can afford to take you to a Harry Styles concert because yeah. I'm like, and then I get to be that person. It's like grandparent responsibilities, right? Where I'm like, yep. I can load you up with like sugar caffeine and, and sugar and send you right back to your parents. So Have fun, mean. Bye. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't yeah, but, do it. But so they'll mean. love you. And you get to be like, <laughs> they will, cool, they will. fun auntie, wine auntie. I've always said that. I'm like, I want to roll up at Thanksgiving in like a big hat and sunglasses with a yeah. glass of wine and be that. What's funny is... That's me as a nanny. (laughs) Yeah, it's like if I take you out to lunch, I might have a beer with it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. every mom, every nanny needs the two W's, wine and weed. Yeah, well, well. Probably every parent too, to be honest. Every pa- yeah, 100%. It was so funny. When I was staying at Wilder's house for the weekend, I went into Lauren's bedroom and there was a bag bigger than my head from Sweet Flower, which is like a super bougie, um, like LA dispensary or whatever, uh-huh. filled with gummies. What? She was like, have at it. And I was like, I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that I was thinking so much about my interview with Lauren too in that because I think that no matter what, being a mom is hard because it can be isolating. Not being a mom can be hard because it's isolating. Mm-hmm. I think in general, finding people in your life that you can support and that can support you in those different journeys throughout your life is important, which is why we should always be able to reach out to each other to make new friends, have new experiences in our lives so we can feel supported in that. Yeah, and I think the real point of this episode is just like, you and I are, we've had this conversation many times, but like we are on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. in terms of like how we feel about having kids, at least at this juncture in our lives. Correct. Yeah. Um, and that's all good and valid yeah. as long as you think about it and you're doing it because it's something that you really want and you feel ready for and you feel passionately about and like there is no it's not a bad decision no because I do feel like kind of people do plant their flags on one side or the other right and they like to point fingers and they like to call each other selfish or yeah or like whatever else it is and it's like it's not any of that it's what you feel personally ready for what fits with your life and your lifestyle and that's it yeah it nobody has a right to tell anybody else like what they should or shouldn't be doing, but we should also allow the freedom um, in this society that for so long has made people feel inferior um, for not having children either because they can't or because they don't want to. We should allow that freedom of saying like, you do you, that's great. <laughs> you I'm know? really glad I changed all my notes because it was going to be a vendetta to change so your mind. Judgy. <laughs> I was going to be like, but you really want them. <laughs> I no. mean, they would be cute, but um, oh my god, would your children be cute? I truly, uh, it is the one thing that I'm like, I'm denying the world this a beautiful, beautiful really specimen, cute dimpled baby. Oh my but- god, the dimples! Your dimples <laughs> really are out of this world. It would be so cute. 
our Max and I, if we have kids, it's going to look exactly like both of us because yes. we both have bl- yes. brown hair, blue eyed, white skin, it whatever. Will, nothing special. Nothing is, is up for, <laughs> it's not a mystery. No, it's going to be a white bread baby, whatever, but they'll be really cool. They, I promise. And, and they'll be very cute. They, you, let's were, hope. you were a very cute baby. I was a stupidly cute baby. Really I don't were. know what happened. Oh, but anyways. <laughs> Well, if you have any thoughts or opinions on this episode, if there's anything that you want to write in about, please go ahead and do so. Or if you have any other topic suggestions for the future, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. If you want any of our merch, you can go to the link in the show notes. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners in the group page. And last but certainly not least, if you enjoy the show and you haven't done so already, please go over to your Apple Podcast app and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It truly helps us out so, so very much. All right, so we have you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rate on. Bye-bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.